Man, welcome to Monday night. Dang. I'm telling you. You know, I just love, I just love what we do here. I met a lady yesterday who said, my husband has been in prison for 25 years, and he's going to be getting out, and he needs a home. I said, I know a place for him. <laughs> Amen? This will be his family when he gets out. You will be his friends. You will be the ones walking and talking and sharing life with him. Um, and our prayers that when he gets paroled, he will be coming into the bridge, and we'll be sitting right here with his wife, fellowshipping. Amen? Amen. All right. So, the one thing I like about being in charge, well, a couple of things. I like being in charge, just because I like being in charge. <laughs> not really, but um, I was taught not to be wasteful. This is, Bob, you better listen up here. I was taught not to be wasteful growing up. And I watched all of the work it took to set all of these drums up here. It was a lot of work, right? So, to not waste all of that work, I want the final song to go out the way that we came in, right? That, that's the sound I want to hear in my ear as I walk out of this room tonight. Bob said to me earlier, don't you make me play that song again. I said, I'm not promising you anything. But I just, uh, if you think about it, three of the guys up here tonight are from the Monterey County Jail. That is phenomenal. And I think Vanessa and I both felt kind of weird on Thursday um, her coming in for the first time, and me, I mean, I've been coming in for years, but what was weird for me is walking around the jail with a camera, filming everything like I owned the place, right? <laughs> and then to, to be able to come back, and, and I was so excited when we got back from the jail, I shot all of this footage, and I was going to make a video at some point in time, and like an hour after that evening, like I ate dinner really, really quickly, and I just sat down on the couch, and turned some noise on, and I just sat down, and I just, I just started, and I just, I put the video together like in an hour because I was so passionate about what we got to do, and to be able to then share that with everybody else, it just felt really surreal. I, I did take a little video of my bunk, my old bunk. Um, I was like, I, I so wanted to put it in there, but it would have just, it didn't really fit with the footage, so I, 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 I have that four-second video that I can watch whenever I want, and uh, Think about my sleepless nights on that bunk, wondering, why don't they turn the lights off? <laughs> when I asked that my first night, everybody looked at me like I was stupid. They don't turn the lights off. I'm like, what? Anyway, so we are going to finish in, 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 in uh, if not finish, listen to me, um, finish nothing. Uh, my, my good friend Austin sent me a message this morning saying, really looking forward to Romans 1, 19 and 20. And I called him, I said, did you not watch last week? We got through Romans 1, 1. One verse. Um, but what I said was we were going to go slowly so that we understood, because Romans is probably, in my opinion, one of the richest books in the entire Bible. And so we're going to continue to call this the path to victory and we are going to, so I am going to read all of the verses tonight that I intend, listen to what I said, that I intend to cover. If I don't, great, we'll pick it up. We're not in, a, this is not a race. This is a way that we can understand this text and bring it into our heart and let it marinate. You know, earlier Terry came in um, 
to help us out because we're actually going to be going to the jail on Thursday and cooking for the, uh, for the job fair for the staff and the inmates. So we're going to be doing taco bar for a couple hundred people. And so Terry came in earlier tonight to marinate the meat. And I was thinking about that, you know, the way that the, the message is going to marinate. And the longer that meat marinates in all that goodness and the, the paprika and the chili powder and the garlic and the cumin and the Coca-Cola for the carnitas, the better it's going to taste on Thursday. Amen? So as the word marinates in your heart, it just gets better and better. So I'm going to go ahead and read the section of Scripture. Um, so it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, in power according to the spirit of holiness, his resurrection, excuse me, his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, verse 5, through whom we have received grace, apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all of the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved and called to be God's saints, grace and peace to you from Father, from our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, I thank, first I thank God through Jesus Christ to all of you because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. So now that I read that, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. And I got a lot to say. So let's just go back through that. And we, we really kind of hit on it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start because I already did the first verse, so I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. It says, concerning his son who was descended from David. Or, excuse, let me go back. Let's go to verse 2, which was promised beforehand through his prophets. So we, we've heard of prophets, right? We hear that term all of the time. We, we, but I think most people think of as a prophet as somebody who, like, tells the future, Right? like predicts the future, like this is going to happen or that's going to happen, when truly what a prophet is is someone that speaks truth into your life. You know, that's why Christ came to this earth as a man, as a human being, to walk amongst his people, his disciples, so that he could speak truth into their life. That's what a real true prophet is. Yes, there are prophets in the Bible that told of future things to come, we, um, and I'll actually talk about them. There were a lot of prophets. There were 12 minor prophets, and there were five major prophets. Now, it's not like baseball. It's not like the major league and the minor league, right? Where one's more important than the other. The difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet is the amount of stuff that they wrote and talked about. So a minor prophet would be a much smaller section of Scripture talking about a much smaller amount of things. A major prophet is going to be somebody who takes up a great much more text talking about a much bigger topic or a much larger section of scripture. So I wanted to make sure that we were really clear so that I'm going to give you actually a list. The, the minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, um, Zechariah, Malachi. And the five major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And uh, 
And like I said, a prophet is defined as someone who gives a declaration of God, who's somebody who speaks truth, and somebody who declares God to you, is he speaking the truth or not? Amen, he is. So, so somebody, so can any of you, are any of you guys modern day prophets? Absolutely. If you take the time to tell somebody about Jesus or even what Jesus has done in your life, much like we did to 100 women on Thursday, it, I was watching this one girl um, and I was only watching her because I was at the jail for about four years, four and a half years prior to COVID. And I mainly, I, for most of that time, I did men's sections, but the men, they would just show up and nod out, fall asleep, ask stupid questions, want me to give notes to chicks or call people, and stuff that I can't do. <laughs> the women were serious. They were like, if we're not going to talk about the Bible, then I'm just going to go back to my bunk because I don't have time to waste. They would show up with their notebooks, and they would tell me the things they read in the Daily Bread or whatever they were reading in, 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 in either Teapot or U-Pod. Um, and they wanted to know. They were, we don't want to watch videos. We don't want to watch movies. We don't want to hear stories. We, wanna, we just want to open the Bible and hear the gospel preached. So that's why I quickly was drawn to the women's section and, and lost interest in the men's. I'm like, I'm going to go where the need is. And that's where the need was or the desire was. The one gal I was watching, she was in, my, in and out of my class most of the time. So when I saw her, she was sheepish and shied away from me because she did not want to make eye contact with me because I think she was embarrassed. I wanted to make eye contact with her because I wanted her to know, don't you dare be ashamed or embarrassed around me. I'm the last person that's going to judge you. So when Bob started playing the guitar the tears just begin to just like flow like a river from her face. Then when Vanessa began to talk, they, they even increased more. And at that moment, we, we kind of locked eyes and we smiled at each other. And in that moment, the look on her face changed to like, I'm okay. I'm okay. My hope is that she says, well, I'm, I'm okay, but I want to be more okay and I want to get out of here. You know, I want to come and sit here. All the girls in the jail, they tell me, oh, I'm going to be in the front row, Pastor Mike, right? I'm going to bring you tamales or enchiladas or, man, because I hook the girls up in jail. I bring them candy and fruit and pizza and burritos. No wonder they like me. <laughs> I thought it was my charming personality. It's the carnitas. Um, but the, that's the cool thing is, is that they desire, now, now we, have to, we, have to, we have to come to the point where desire is no longer just a desire, that it becomes an action. That I no longer, I desire to the point where it, where it provokes me to action. Like when I, when I get faith and I begin to believe and know that Christ is alive in my heart, it provokes me to do things that I would never have done. It provokes me to like, I'm all of a sudden being nice to somebody I can't stand. I'm not loaning money, I'm giving people money. I'm helping people that would have normally never helped, right? That's what the love of God does inside of you. It makes you want to do things that are kingdom-minded, amen? Um, so one scholar has found that 574, for, uh, 574 verses in the Bible describe um, or point to his coming, 
So if you're reading the Bible, is the Bible about the coming Messiah? Amen. 574 different verses in the Bible talk about the coming of Jesus. So that is obviously a major topic in the Bible. And like I've said many, many times, when you take the Bible and you have 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years on three continents with people that never even met one another, that probably never would meet one another, and the Bible meshes together perfectly, that tells me that it was inspired divinely. Amen? I mean, how else, how can you explain that? I mean, I listen to people tell stories in the bridge, and we can't keep a story straight with everybody in the same house. How can we do 66 books over 1,500 years on three continents if it wasn't inspired by God? Amen? So I believe when the prophets talk about the coming Messiah, I believe that it's true. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, To us a child is born, to a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So everything that we're talking about is always going to point to Jesus Christ because that's the bottom line. That's why we're here. Um, so I, I love here in verse 3, it says, concerning his son who was, now listen to what I'm saying, descended from David. Do you know how refreshing it was for me, for those of you that know my story, to know that Jesus Christ came from a, from a messed up family? As messed up as mine? I was like, that, that is cool. Who would admit that if they were the king of the universe, the savior, that they came from a jacked up family? So we know that he came from the lineage of David. What does the Bible say about David? Let's listen. It says, David, a man after whose own heart? After God's own heart. So you're telling me that that's a true statement, even though he committed adultery, even though he slept with Bathsheba, okay? Now listen to me. Because David stopped doing the things that kings do and started having idle time. He stopped going out with his men to battle. I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to hang back and chill, right? Do whatever king, you know, order some food, some of those giant drumsticks, right, at the Renaissance Fair, right? <laughs> I'm going to stay home and mow on a few of those today, maybe have some wine, because David stopped doing what he was supposed to be doing, what God had intended him to do, he had all this downtime, and he, it said that he, let, he cast his eyes upon Bathsheba, bathing on the rooftop. And not only did he, did he sleep with her, right? He had her husband killed, Uriah. So... You're telling me that the savior of the universe, that Jesus Christ himself came out of that mess? Oh, heck yeah. That's what, honest to God, that drew me in. It was like, seriously? If the Bible were, listen to me, not true, they would have left all of that out. It would be like, it would be like watching the news, right? Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, he just, they, no, they didn't do that, right, right? Would they, they would spin it a different way. 
if, if the Bible were, were just trying to draw you into some fairy tale, they would leave all that nasty mess out. So why would they admit that the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, came from a lying, cheating dirtbag that had someone killed? Why would they do that? You know why they would do that? Because it's true, right? Why does Jonah, they, the, Jonah wouldn't even be in the Bible. Come on, a giant fish swallowed a guy. How many of us are, have heard fishing stories from our buddies, right? I caught a fish and it was that big. And then you see the picture and it's like, right? Yeah, right. So think about it, if the Bible why, why don't they leave that stuff out and make it more convincing? So as a new believer, when I read that David was a scumbag and he did all of those things, and then it went on to say, David, a man after God's own heart, I'm like, I got a, ch I got a chance. I got a chance, right? You got a chance, and you got a chance, and you got a chance. I mean, if that dude did all that and you're worried about stealing from your grandma's purse... Come on. Is God not going to forgive you for that? And if you did so from your grandma's converse, you better confess. That's just bad. Right? Um, but think about it. I mean, really think about it. That, that, that the Savior of the universe came from a, just like a trailer, trash, dirt bag style family, if we put it in modern terms for today, right? Like, Really? That is, to me, to me, that's refreshing to know that all the things that I've done, all the bad things that I've done, the bad family that I came from, that, that I could be different, that I could be respected, that I could be loved, that I could do good things in my life, that, that somebody might say that, you know, uh, Mike was a man after God's own heart. I did a funeral here yesterday for somebody who died in his addiction. I'm tired of doing those. I'm, I'm just so sick and tired of doing those things. But when you do a funeral, you, people get up and they say nice things about you. So I want to ask you a question. Are there a lot of nice things to say about you? Right? Think about it. I know an exercise that, that people have done in the past that's really effective is write your own eulogy. What are people going to say about you? I mean, if I, did, if I did Claudia's funeral, I would say she makes the best flour tortillas. Right? Okay, but, but I want to be able... I, I'm sure she, her family would be pleased that she makes good flour tortillas, but they're like, we already knew that, fool. We taught her, right? <laughs> what they want to hear is that she had a beautiful heart, that she loved people, that she cared about people, that she revered her relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what they want to hear, right? Not that she makes flour tortillas or, or you know, you know, one beer bong a hundred times in a row one night. You know, people want to people know that there was a changed life, that there was something worth talking about that's worth talking about. A lot of people make good flour tortillas, right? So, of course, I would say that because I love her tortillas. I love everything. She made, she made, she made me some albundigas last night and some of the best rice. Listen to me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And Michelle goes, you know why her rice is so good, don't you? And I said, no, why? She goes, because she puts like a pound of butter in it. I go, amen all by myself. 
Somebody get Bob a napkin. He's starting to drool back there. Um, um, but I love that, that, they, that the Bible, the honesty in the Bible is unbelievable. That Yeah, he came from this horrible lineage, but he still is the king of the universe. That's awesome. So think of the chance that we got, right? Think of what we, bless you, think of what we can do if he did that from that. That is incredible. All right, so I am going to get through this. So in verse 4, and he was declared to be the son of God, which we know in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So every, uh, I was talking about this with somebody today, almost every culture in the world has a God, whether it's an idol or a wooden God or a carved God or a cow or a calf or a snake or a, a pig or a goat or uh, a big old fat Buddha, right? Whenever I'm driving to Carmel, there's that, uh, on Highway 1, there's that, there's Buddhas just all in front of this house, big old, big old belly Buddhas. Um, um, but what makes our God unique and different is nobody else claimed that theirs rose from the dead. We are the only ones that claim that our, our leader, our Savior, actually died, went into the grave, and it was, it was rose three days later. We're the only ones. That's what makes us unique. So we're either insane fools or, we're, or this is the truth. Either this is the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on humankind or it's the truth. But I'm going to tell you why I believe it's the truth. I believe it's the truth because I watch people come out of the jail. I watch people come out of the prison. I watch people come off the streets who should have been dead, who feel like they're dead, who feel like they have nothing, that they've lost everything. In, in a short period of time, I watch them wake up, perk up, smile, become energized, fall in love with Jesus Christ, fall in love with their fellow man, and celebrate life when they wake up. Now, does that just magically happen? No. And you know how I know that? Because we all tried a million times to kick our addiction, to wake up, pull our head out, and do something different. And I would venture to say that almost most of the people in this room Tonight would say, I've done that a million times. I'm going to stop using tomorrow. Right? Tomorrow. And tomorrow you say tomorrow. And tomorrow you say tomorrow. You get, my, you get what I'm saying? And then we end up with never. Something I shared this morning at the bridge, when you watch that video, the very first image that I shot when I went to the jail, I love this. I actually wrote a newspaper article years ago that was in the newspaper when you pull into the jail, that sign says, jail, rehab, corner. Those are your choices. That's it. You're either going to jail, you're going to rehab, or you're going to the coroner's office. And when you go to the coroner's office, you don't leave. You do. Feet first, right? Wrapped in a plastic bag on a refrigerator in the back of a county van, you know? Somebody's like, you know, got to hurry up and get the stiff out of my, you know, car because I'm going to go get a burrito at, you know, at El Torito, whatever. You know, somebody that is just an inconvenience to somebody, right? But that's not how we want to be remembered. That's not what we want to be. We want to take this, this, this opportunity to take that rehab, to take that relationship, to turn our lives around so that we can say, yeah, Angel, he was a man after God's own heart. Right? 
They wouldn't have said that about him years ago. When I met him in the jail, I was like, oh, boy, this guy's going to be a lot of work. And when I picked him up, we were driving down the highway, and he was started saying some stuff, and I like, I had to pull my car from and go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get something straight here, all right? That's not what you signed up for. This is what you signed up for. So let's, let's get that straight right now, right? And... We agreed on that, and so I got back on the road, and we, we, we did we get a hot dog first or a burrito or nothing? nothing? Man, I owe you, brother. All right. So, but, but we, we all want to feel like we are important. We all want to feel like we amount to something, right? And the way that we do that is that we read God's word, we understand God's word, we let it live in our hearts, and then it lives through us to other people. The way that you help yourself is by helping somebody else, right? We all love Christmas time. We, I love shopping. I, you know, I mean, now I like, remember one year, Michelle's like, oh, we got to go Christmas shopping. And I think she went down to the lady's house, and I just opened up Amazon. And I went, boom, 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 boom. She came back, and I, she said, oh, we get it right. I said, I just, everything's on the way. It's like, oh, that felt good. She's like, yeah, but I like going to the store. I'm like, yeah, but it's done. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, it's good. Um, But we like to give, right? So when Christ comes into our heart, because of the abundance of love, giving flows out of us. And and then we feel good about who we are. And the better we feel about ourselves, the more that we want to know. And the more that we know, the better we feel. To see kind of how that propitiates itself, it's the same way that addiction takes and takes and takes and takes. And this gives and gives and gives and gives. It doesn't stop giving, it never will stop giving. All right. Get too excited about this. I'm sorry. So verse 5, through him who we have received grace. Who has received grace in this room? Right? You better hope you don't get what you deserve. Right? Because if you, if you say, God, give me what I deserve, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go wait in my car for the rumbling in the fire to settle down. Right? Like people say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Right? Despite yourself, you're still here. Despite all the dirtbag things you did, you're still here. God still loves you. He still cares about you. He still wants you to be a part of your life, right? So we've all been a, we, everybody in this room has received God's grace, um, which brings out the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. For this, it's like we become obedient because for him, for his, for his name's sake, right? And we are the beneficiary of that obedience, right? He's God. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not going to affect his day, you know what I mean? Obviously, he wants you to come into obedience. He wants you to, to fall into what you should be doing, right? Of course, it, it, it breaks his heart when you don't. But all you're going to do is, is, is extend the inevitable, because if God has gotten into your heart, nothing's going to be right until you said it right, right? And when, you, when you meet Christ and you go out and try to do something stupid again, it's never as fun because you feel guilty all the time. I remember years ago, I was uh, talking to somebody that had come into the bridge and they left, and uh, I used to do a radio show for years, and uh, it was funny because it's the radio show that my wife used to listen to while I was strung out. Right? Never knowing that someday that I would be on that, on that radio station. 
But he, he said, he was telling me what a buzzkill was. He finally got to enough money to go buy some crack, and he was hitting the pipe really hard, and then he wandered in the house to get something, and his aunt was listening to my radio show. He's like, man, you messed up my high so bad. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> like, yeah, you're welcome. He said he just couldn't enjoy it the same way he could before because he knew that that's not where we should be, and he knew that's where he, what he, sh he shouldn't be doing that stuff. All right. So we receive grace and apostleship, obedience to faith for the sake of his name among all of the nations, including you who are called. That's you. I'm talking to you guys. This is for you. You were called, right? Even if, like, like so, so when somebody comes into the bridge, they, they, they come to church, we call it being voluntold, right? Because, well, you're not staying home by yourself. Right? We're not going to leave you at home and everybody's going to go to church. So we voluntold you to come to church. The beauty is, even so, be, sometimes, like when your mom says when you're a little kid, eat your vegetables because they're good for you, right? That's why we voluntold people, because we, we know that if you finally start partaking of this, it's going to be good for you, right? I don't get, I mean, I work for the church. They don't pay me by how many bridge men and women I bring to the church. Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but bridge men and women don't have money, right? So they are not, they are not, they're, they're wanting the offering to bag to work the other way. <laughs> oh, thank you, I need some. I want to go to 7-Eleven today, right? And, and I share that because I, I've admitted openly when I used to come here with Michelle, I would sit there and plot and plan and watch and follow the bags, and I knew the spot that I would have to crack Steve Brazelton on the head to pull the bags, right? But, you know, and it was Steve and I had a really good time when I, when I told him that. I said, I used to watch you, Steve, and when you came out of where, where is now my office, man, that's where I was just going to crack you on the skull and, uh, and take the bags and get all that money. He said, oh, I'm really glad you didn't. Well, I'm, I'm really glad because you know my whole family, so it would not... <laughs> I wouldn't have been on the run for very long. Um, but so the purpose for us, let me get back to that. For us, I would say Michelle and I are the bridge, or Calvary wanting people to come to the Lord is not to benefit the church because it, having a bunch of people, I mean, if you have a church with a recovery ministry, it costs you money, right? They, the church puts money into this ministry. They pay me to do this ministry. Um, they don't have to. I would do it anyway, and I did it for years and years and years. And the day they actually hired me, I, w I started laughing, and Pastor Roger said, what is so funny? I said, why are you guys paying me? I'll do this stuff for free forever. He, then he, he read me the scripture that said, a workman is worthy of his wage. And so at that point, I, at that point, I finally agreed to start accepting a salary and come on staff and do this stuff that they, that I love to do. Um, not because I'm getting paid, because I love to do it, because it's the right thing. But when a church invests in a recovery ministry and gets involved in a recovery home, it's because they want the gospel to be spread. Not because they're trying to make money, because they don't make money, right? If they wanted to make money, they'd be out, they'd be having a squad to Carmel and try to get people to come in. Hey, folks, you and Carmel, you want Pebble Beach, you want to come to Calvary? You know, people that have, you know, that, you know, got some money. You know, most of us don't even have driver's licenses, 
or cars, all right? Isn't that true? It is, right? I was doing an interview with, with uh, uh, Mark, um, one of the old graduates, and he was talking about hiring. Um, he was talking about hiring Alex. He said, one of the things I really like about Alex is he has a good driver's license, and he can drive the company truck. And he said, that's not always true with bridge guys, and it's not, right? So my, my point is that the offering to get to know Christ is at a true desire to see lives changed permanently, to watch people go from head down to face up, right? To go from moaning and groaning to smiling and stopping on the patio and talking and fellowship and eating and, and, and just loving who Christ is. That's what it's about. So verse 7, to all those in her Roman who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father. You know, Paul always reaches out to those people groups that he's been involved in and wants to stay in touch with those. Like, like the time that I spend in the jail, I feel called to continue to go back into the jail. You know, it was pretty eerie walking, like Bob said, into the part of the jail that I was in is now vacant. So we said, hey, let's go look at your old bunk. And we, and we did, and that part of the jail is vacant, but I could still hear all those voices and see the light and remember how many times I was on that payphone. Right? I need to remember that when the people from jail are blowing me up, right? Because like I remember because when people call from the jail and I don't they call me over and over and over, like 10, 12, 13, 14 times in a row, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but when I stood there the other day, I was like, that was me. I was calling over and over and over again. So sometimes we have to take a step back and say, I get it. They want, to, they want to be out. They want to be free. And uh, that's the bottom line. So uh, verse 8, I thank, God, I, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. And our faith is proclaimed in all the world. We live out our faith. We proclaim our faith by, by coming to church, by fellowshipping, by doing things like going to the jail, by working with foster kids, by working with youth, by doing the, 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 the set-free Monterey Bay where we're working with the sex trafficking victims. So those are the things that we do as a community of believers to proclaim who Christ is and what Christ believes in and what Christ does. So we're already doing that. So you could say to yourself, good job, I'm already doing that. Even if you're not physically yourself, you could say, good job, I'm a part of a body of believers that believe those things are important. You know, I want to tell you something about this church when I started years ago, when Pastor Nate took over the church, this church had more ministries. We had sewing ministry and knitting ministry and singles ministry and game night and movie night and this night. It was like 46, 48 ministries. And Nate said, that's just too much. That's just too much. We do too much. I want to focus on three things. Three things. So he took all of the staff out up to Scotts Valley. We went up kind of to the mountains, and we went to a Starbucks, and we... Uh, he said, I want all of you to know that all of your ministries are on the chopping block um, because we're only going to come up with three. That's what Calvary, that's what we're going to do as a church. We are going to pick these three things that we really want to do well, and unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of really upset people. So I, I came home that night, and I was very distraught, very distraught. I told Michelle, they, may, they very well may cancel recovery ministry. 
So we had to make a decision amongst ourselves that we believe so strongly that God has called us to recovery ministry that we began to draft my resignation letter. And we began to look at other churches that we could partner with or other denominations that I could ordain under because I would give up my Calvary ordination. Do I need to go back to school? What do I need to do? How is that going to look? And uh, so about a week later, we went back up, and, and, and Pastor Nate announced that Calvary would do recovery ministry, which is regeneration in the bridge. We would do foster care and youth. I was like, wow. Is that a church that believes in what it's doing? It is. It's a church that is fully vested in those who are in recovery, those who are in men's or women's home, those who are in jail or prison, and... So I thank God for that. And I told Nate, I, I was like, he looked, he goes, you looked really relieved. And I said, I, I, I am because I was going to resign. I didn't know what I was going to do because this is, my, uh, this, is my, this is my source of income. But I believe that strongly in what I'm doing that if you no longer want to do that, I would have to, to move on. So you guys are a part of a fellowship that believes wholeheartedly in what we're doing here, what we're doing at the houses, what we're doing in the jail, what we're doing in the prisons. I used to go a lot um, to uh, Salinas Valley State Prison and, and work with the folks in the Toomey program. And uh, so it's really good to be involved in a body that really believes in what God, what Jesus came to, this, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. 